Hey, Podcastonauts, it's the Nerdist Podcast, episode number 262. If you go over to the Nerdist channel at youtube.com slash Nerdist, uh, Scott Ian's new show, Fangoria Blood and Guts, is coming to the Nerdist channel next week. I believe October 3rd is the premiere date. Scott talks to the best makeup effects uh, people in the business. I believe the first episode is Greg Nicotero, so maybe that would be something you'd be interested in. I I am. That's... I loved it so much, I put it on my channel. What, what is this character? Don't shake your head at me. <laughs> well, I wasn't just talking to you, podcastonauts. I was talking to Chloe Dykstra. It's true, he has a girlfriend. Would you, Ed, who is shaking her head currently <laughs> because of this guy. You do not like this guy. Like this guy wants to take you to Nathan Owls and have a pastrami sandwich. <laughs> You do not want a pastrami sandwich. I'm a vegetarian. It's toastrami. <laughs> Postrami. Postrami. Oh, I get it. Like tofu. A good joke. No, it's uh, pastrami that's made from cow toes. <laughs> you fucking snorted, and I approve of it now on the podcast. Oh, this was a glorious gift you've given me this day. <laughs> Technology. <laughs> You're not gonna put that on the podcast. Oh, the fuck I won't. <laughs> it is on the podcast. I have trapped the soul of your snort. I'm not gonna give you the power. I'm gonna own it. I'm gonna own it. I'm a snorter now. You know, whatever the fuck you want. It's just, I'm a it's, snorter. It is a part of recorded I history. I art the snorter, and I love it. I'm fucking proud of it. That trick's not gonna work. <laughs> Jonah Ray tried to do that when we started calling him Vajona. It's still, it's still stuck for a while. Oh, I'm sorry. Where was I? Oh yeah, the intro. <laughs> <laughs> do you want some mud or a body to devour or okay, you want to go back to that joke that you were doing for that guy that was really funny oh this guy that, that guy yeah listen go uh, back to that. i cannot help but point out that we both have snorting in common <laughs> oh. all right hey thanks amazon for sponsoring this episode of the nerds podcast if you go to this podcast episode page and click on the Amazon banner at the bottom and then shop as you normally would, uh, buying whatever you need, uh, perhaps uh, hankies or muzzles for your snorting loved ones, <laughs> or a copy of Charlotte's Web. <laughs> I'm going to gonna tickle you. Don't you fucking tell me. <laughs> All right. Okay, it's enough. It's getting serious. It's not getting serious. <laughs> Excuse me. Just Are going to this. Are you leaving? I'm just going across the room. Oh, man, you scary cat. I don't like being tickled at all. So, uh, if you shop the way that you normally would on Amazon, you will be supporting the Nerdist podcast, so please do that. This episode of the Nerdist Podcast is Justin Woman, who does Justin Woman's Magic Meltdown. Justin is an amazing magician. He happens to host Cupcake Wars, uh, but magic is his thing. He's a, a super sweet guy, really funny, and a frigging phenomenal magician that I highly encourage you to see uh, live if you can. 
He's going to be performing at Club Nokia on September 29th. So if you're in the Los Angeles area, I suggest you go see that show. Uh, and now, The Nerds Podcast, episode number 262, with Justin Willman. Oh, wait, I don't think you're okay, actually. <laughs> I can't stop. I can't stop. <laughs> now entering Nerdist.com. Magic happens. So you'll have to get you have to get right on the mics. Okay. To talk. Uh, all right. Blah. Test. Okay. Sounds good. Great. All right. Let's talk cupcake wars. <laughs> no, we're gonna talk magic. Ah, uh, whatever. And cupcake. Let's talk cupcake. Let's talk cupcake magic. No, it's uh, it is interesting. You, Justin Wilman, who, who uh, of Justin Wilman's Magic Meltdown. Now I'm going to say he's just from the show on the Nerdist channel. <laughs> you, just totally you me. Totally not fair. Uh, but uh, um, too, huh? you have these two completely different. Do you think your audiences are different? Because some people know you from hosting Cupcake Wars, but you're a master magician, and then you have an audience from that. Yeah, it's a little it's a little schizophrenic. They they intersect in several ways, but yeah, I mean, I started doing magic when I was 12 and that's my passion. But as you know, this kind of TV hosting world kind of has its I started eating cupcakes when tantrum. I was 6. <laughs> you got me beat. Yeah. So that's your that's your passion. But uh but yeah, it's kind of weird when people know me as the cupcake guy when really, you know, since I was a kid, my my dream is to be like a great magician and right. they know you as the guy who just talks about cupcakes. So <laughs> it's my job to educate them. But when life. you first but I know this I know this path because when you first start uh do you want water? Sure. Here I'll produce this water. Whoa. And it's um, cold. Don't break your finger. Those are your money makers. Um, but when uh, when I when you first start hosting or when you first start in the business, you kind of just take any job that's offered to you because you want to break into the business. Yes. Now, not that you don't enjoy cupcakes, but obviously, I'm sure if it had been Magic War, Magic Wars. Ooh. Mm, that just sounds like a three book tale. <sighs> that's that's just like a that's like a bad wizard romance novel, <laughs> right there. It doesn't have to be bad. We can make it good. Can I host that trilogy? <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. Magic Wars. Um, that, you know, and it's not until you work for a little while that you kind of start going, okay, okay, I've gotten my experience with other things. Now what do I really want to do? Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. I wasn't then, and nor am I now, in, in a position to really say no to something, uh, someone who's willing to offer you a cool job. Sure. So, so uh, you know, eventually I'm sure that the time comes where I can be a little pickier, but I'm so grateful that uh, to have a job where, you know, being on the road for years, it's very grueling. So to be able to have something that takes you off the road and then could uh, leave time to do things that you really enjoy and live the passion and, and, and do the magic more, I mean, I think it's great. And you, I, I think I first met you with Furman because you were, you were big in the college circuit. Yeah. Uh, touring is just incredible. It's just incredible. Yeah, that's my third life as well. <laughs> what touring? Well, just, just, just incredible. Just that that whole thing. You know, going by a stage name for years. That's that's a trip. Have you guys ever done that? <laughs> Jonah still does it. Still still doing it. 
Matt, it's Jonah Rabinowitz or something. Really. Uh, Jonah's last name is Rodriguez. Rodriguez. Yeah, Jonah Ray Rodriguez. Por- yeah. Por- Portuguese Rodriguez, uh, yeah. as otherwise known. Yeah. Um, so, so I but get that's it. technically a stage name. But that's not like. That's, I just I don't think of it as the stage name. I think of it as an incomplete name for the stage. <laughs> <laughs> but you you killed it at the colleges. I remember we saw you at uh, NACA, which is the big. You know the big conference where all the where the, where all of the the years colleges the shows are booked, so you have to audition and you send in tape and then you and then you might get a spot in this NACA show, which is a convention where all these college bookers show up. What? Yeah. Oh, it's insane. Oh, it's true. You didn't hear about this, dude? It's no. huge. It's huge. So you go, you go to NACA, and when we went, one year was in Boston, one year was in Nashville. I think it goes back and forth, and so you go, and it's a huge convention, huge convention. Uh huh. All, almost, you know, all the major colleges send their student activities boards and they go and you at the, and the spots are really fucking hard to get. But if you get like a main stage spot, you are probably going to book a bunch of shows throughout the year. Yeah. And that's where the colleges spend a lot of their entertainment budgets. Right. And so it's a very intense and then you go out to the floor where hopefully you have a booth. But if you have a booth, there's certain rules for how you can you can't yeah, hand people brochures outside of the square of your booth. Like there's all sorts of really crazy yeah, stuff. Yeah, as a magician, you know, I can't just if I see some students oh at a bar and they're like do magic for us. You can't just whip out magic because it's, it's not apparently it's not restricted. fair. It's a dog and pony show. That's it is crazy. a dog and dog and pony show, and it's it's crazy, and it's literally any kind of. Anything you could sell to college kids, this convention is like it's performers and speakers and musicians and and then they'll sell like and monkeys. Yeah, and monkeys and ponies. And and tarot card readers you can book or like or like weird, you know, like the one year we were there was, you know, you could send dance dance revolution games or you could send uh, little go-karts that were in the shapes of toilets, you know, just like any kind of weird thing. Any event for any event a kid that gets a bunch of service just has to Provide entertainment for well, college. If you think kids. about it, especially the colleges that are outside of any major metropolitan area. It can get a little. It's either drinking or or nothing. Yeah, so yeah. Uh, their job is to provide worthwhile entertainment. And they have these. They have these entertainment budgets. And and I think, you know, I, I remember there was a big thing a couple years ago with. I think it was maybe the Jersey Shortcast or something. But they, you know, they got like one of them got like twenty five grand to appear at a college, and so people were like, "What the and what the fuck? How could they?" That's, you know, they're starving people. And go, okay, look, these colleges have an entertainment budget and they have to spend that money on entertainment for the college. And if they don't spend that money on entertainment, the college budgets go away. You right. keep on saying the word entertainment, but then you just said they booked someone from the Jersey Shore. Now, that's the problem. Okay. Not the money part, the fact that they booked that person. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> like, a really, like, a really high-end performer, like, Carrot, like, guy like Carrot Top in, in his heyday was getting probably like twenty five grand a show doing. I feel like Carrot Top's in his heyday now, getting twenty five million a year to sit in Vegas. <laughs> okay, let me his road heyday. His road yeah, heyday, yeah. like his, in, the, in the college. Yeah, yeah. Tosh is another one of those guys that He's around forever. That he he was probably in the upper echelon before Tosh Point the upper echelon of of college acts who would probably get like twenty five grand a show and do like you know twenty shows a month. I mean, like they were making such ridiculous money. Uh, we never made we never made that as hard and firm, but um, you guys rocked it. You guys, I'm sure you. We did it. all right, but then but of course then you have, have to split everything. Yeah. You have to split everything, and then it you know, then it becomes like I think what were we calling it? Like uh, I think we were calling it like thousand uh, dollar scavenger hunt. 
<laughs> where it was like, okay, we're going to get up in the morning at 4 a.m. We're going to fly to this connecting airport. We're going to fly from the connecting airport in Atlanta to somewhere in the Midwest, probably in, you know, Illinois or Kentucky or somewhere. Sure. Then we're going to drive 150 miles to the college. Then we're going to perform that same day. And then the next morning, get up and do it again, but go back home. That's what's ridiculous, is that you spend 12 hours getting to the gig, and you're, you're just a wreck by the time you get there. And then you have to turn it on. You yep. know? It's, that's, what, that's, that's what you And a lot of times you're performing for five people because the college is also responsible for the promotion. And if you're yeah. not a big name, they're like, oh, yeah, we just started handing out flyers at six. And, um, yeah, there's also, they're also showing uh, What Lies Beneath at, uh, <laughs> as part of our monthly movie series on the other side of campus. And so there's, that's probably where everyone went. Yeah, I did a, a Ithaca College. And it was just a, a stage they had in their coffee shop lounge area, and it was finals, and it was really cold outside. There was uh, there was five people there, but four of them were studying, and they didn't watch it. And they, they'll no, try to they'll try to put you anywhere. Like a lot of these kids don't understand that performance needs a little bit of context. So they'll you know one time they tried to put Mike and I up at the top of a stairwell where because there was kind of a sitting area up there. Yeah. It's yeah. like. We can't perform up here. Like it's just, it doesn't work that way. Like we're, you kind of need a little. You need a stage. So you, you need a little. This, the students watching you as a, on, a, on a downward slope. Is that what, what was going on? Kind of, kind of. Yeah, I mean, there there have been a lot of weirds. I did a daytime one outside in a full, uh, college at Fullerton, and um, it was just this like bench area, and they had the comics performing, and then it, like. Class. It was just in between classes, so there's everyone just walking by. Not and there's another thing that happens. Five like, minutes. Yeah, 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 exactly. But what's One great about is. it is that uh, you know, unlike unlike the stand up, unlike the clubs, it literally doesn't matter how many people show up. All that matters is that you show up to perform, and that they Do can fulfill the contract, and then you move on. And so they route. You know, they'll route you like, you know, three shows in five days, five shows in seven days, and so colleges at NACA will bid on performers that they've just seen and they'll go into this big room where they route and colleges will come together to get discounted rates in a wow. region because what? then you can just drive around and do like five yeah. colleges within a few hundred miles of each other. It's a fucking brutal, it's, it's a brutal performer lifestyle, but fucking amazing experience. Well, it's amazing. Great. It's a great, it's just a, a great be- bread and butter in- income. But I'm sure it's tougher for a comedian when you walk in and there's five people. But for me, I mean, that challenge close of winning magic. over a crowd. Well, close to magic, but just like if you can win over a crowd at 11 a.m. on their lunch hour, I mean, you you know, you feel like you can do anything. I didn't you mind I mean? so much of performing for five people. It's not, it's not so much. I mean, it's harder for Furman and I because we were doing music, and so. It's you know, like to perform these big songs with like projections and stuff, and then there's just like four or five people in the front. Like, whatever. It was still, you know, I love that Mike was there for because we got to experience it together. Right. Um, but as a, as a single comic, I kind of I wouldn't mind either. It becomes it like a live rehearsal. Oh, uh, kind of. Just come sit in on a rehearsal, or it's just a very personal open mic. <laughs> kind of. Or just you yeah. and Mike hanging out. Well, I've had shows. Uh, I performed at Laughing Skull a couple years ago, which is a great club in Atlanta. And you do two shows a day because this place only seats 75 people. But it's a fucking great room. And the owner, Marshall, is a, he's a comic and he just understands how to run it well. It's a, it's a room Todd Glass loves. That should tell yeah, you yeah, something. Yeah. The they do everything show. right. Yeah. <laughs> Marin performs there. Paul F. recorded Paul a special, special there. there. Yeah. It's great. And so um, a few years ago, my late show one night, 10 people showed up. And so I just put a chair on stage and had them come up one by one. And I just interviewed them and fucked around <laughs> with them. And it was so much more like it was just so much more special of an experience than if I had actually just done a show. Right. Almost becomes a live podcast. It almost sounds like. Kind of. Yeah. yeah but this is happening. 
the happening. <laughs> it's it's You've the trees. Part of a happening. It's the trees. All these trees are just. Uh, <laughs> They're uh, killing us. The bees are killing us. The trees. They're not killing me. The trees are killing me. <laughs> Come on, Jack. I'm the king of me. <laughs> um, Those are great names. But uh, but it's but the college lifestyle is such a fun. For a while, and then and then it just wears you yeah, down. Five, and then five years, I think, is the max. I mean, we maybe that's a little long. I did it for five years, and I wow, because yeah. you are driving out into the middle of, you know, you can't fly direct to any of these places, so it really is like a full day of travel, and and it's like hundred. You drive 100, 150 miles, perform, turn around, and drive drive right back, or just you know, you're just staying in a truck stop motel basically, because a lot of these towns are basically just a college. And a truck stop. Wow, truck stop. I, I never, I never, you never, had, you never had, had that. I never had to do a truck really stop. Really small, really small towns where it's just like you're right off the fr- freeway yeah. and you're just staying at like a Quality Inn, it's and then you're you drive an hour to the nearest hotel. Like right. Yeah. yeah. Right. Right. But it's a great way to see America. Yeah. It's, it's such a country. great way to see America. Mike Amish and I, country. Mike, Mike and I got to follow. Mike and I got to follow the path of the Lincoln Douglas debates in Illinois. So we have all these pictures of us in places where there was a where there was a Lincoln Douglas debate. That's awesome. It was really fun. I mean, it's it's, it's a great. It's, it re- if you're especially if you're a young comic and you're just starting out or a young performer, it's fucking awesome. Especially if you're closer in age to the college students. Yeah. But it, you know when you start to get a little older, it's just like ah, this is really, I am tired. When they start to wonder why you took the trouble to come all the way there, it's, 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 it's <laughs> time to maybe you know, switch it up. When you were doing college, did, <laughs> did you have an assistant then, or was it no? A- it was a one man show, so it was like two fifty pound check pieces of luggage with. You know, magic miracles in it, which was great, and um, and just me. So you, you kind of get really good at, at being your own roadie and setting everything up, and um, it's lonely though. How it's would you uh, after a show is done? How long would you wait before going back to stage to clean up all your stuff? Um, or would you just start? Thank you, good night, and then no, I kind of well, I kind of do. I mean, Chris knows uh, the key, to especially the NACA and, and and the college market is having a personal relationship with people. So after the show, you kind of. You schmooze it up, and you take pictures, and you, you sign stuff, and, and then it's probably about 45 minutes later, and then everyone's gone, and then it's just you and me. You know, I'm picking up you know, chunks of banana and orange-covered <laughs> yeah. cards. Yeah. Putting hours. away the chimp that you, that you make the up here. That I out stole of a... from the truck stop hotel. Chimp should have been the one cleaning up the whole time. I know. i got to train that chimp. <laughs> I need a guy. I need an apprentice. Yeah. I need a sorcerer's apprentice. As long as you're like Nicolas Cage. In this I exactly like <laughs> Okay, so the dragon ring's gonna crawl in your finger. Yeah. Why did I see that movie? <laughs> <laughs> Me too. I watched it on a plane. That's we weird. I watched it in a hotel. Why did we all see it? I watched it in a hotel. I thought it was fun. I didn't mind it. So you're a sorcerer. <laughs> I didn't see the movie. I should have uh, really left out. Why am I the one? You were missing Me in America. Fun. I like I like watching Nick Cage and anything. So it's called Nicolas Cage has a tax bill. And the movie is all about how Nicolas Cage took the job. One day Nicolas Cage will be working NACA. That's what's going to happen. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, I will make this champ disappear. You should just do live readings of his movies. I yeah. would go to that in a second. Oh, which one? Any. Con Air. No, that's a weird no, one. No, because he, he does the accent, accent the whole Put time. the bunny down. Face off. Okay. I can, I can Put the that. face down. <laughs> Peggy Sue got married. Oh, Peggy. Put, put the time travel device he down. Was do, he was doing Professor, it was basically a Professor Frank and oh, Peggy Sue got married. Voice in Peggy oh, Sue got Peggy. Married. I love his, uh, his reaction when the guy tells him no, that he's not going to sign him, and he starts to laugh and then starts to cry in that yeah. weird voice. <laughs> but adaptation? Fucking yeah, great, great movie. So, um, so let's talk a little bit about, by the way, do you get, when you're traveling with your, 
bag of tricks. Do you ever yeah. get flagged as a terrorist? Well, um, never. <laughs> as a t- well, yeah. One time I was I was uh, I was going to Mexico for like a corporate gig, and I used to do this trick in the show that used a blank pistol. Uh, okay. <laughs> you know, basically looks exactly like a pistol, but it isn't. But it's, uh, so I was going through Mexican customs, and I had to basically I got pulled into the side room and went through all my stuff. Did you start doing what tricks do. for the men? Or were you worried to, they were going to fucking shoot you? Trick. I had to show them what the blank Diablo was used for. Blam blam blam. Yeah. Diablo Mago. So I set up the trick and performed it in the little questionnaire room. And by the end, you know, I, I gave them all DVDs and they were very happy. I'm going to shoot you with this fake gun. No, what are you doing? Piff, yeah. piff, piff, piff. Yeah. And then I used to travel with a paintball gun, which obviously when you go through security, always looks like a gun. Yep. Um, so I get away with it. And then my terrorist bomb trick where it's an old timey looking bomb. Shaped like a cannonball. with. A it's few- for magic. <laughs> it's your card in the end. <laughs> um... When, so you started when you were 12. I, I feel like a, lo- 12. a lot of young performers, a lot of people who, who ultimately end up being performers, probably because uh, they experiment with a lot of different things when they're younger. I had a magic kit yep. when I was a kid. Yeah. But obviously, to, for me, it didn't really go much beyond yeah, the magic kit. I've never kit. talked to a magician that was like, yeah, I started when I was 25. Right. They all start with you exist, but it's, You kind of need to start young, right? So you can get the dexterity, the dexterity. down. Yeah. I mean, when, you, when I started when I was 12 and I took those magic lessons with two buddies, and I think it was just, honestly, with such a short attention span, you're easily discouraged when you're a kid when it's something that you're good at. Whatever it is, the first thing you're good at, I mean, you just don't put it down. So with magic, I was obsessed. I was kind of good with the cards and good with the, the, the gift for gab while you're doing a trick. Did kids in school like that, or did they? were you socially ostracized? Um, they liked it. I mean, I kind of embraced it. I was kind of, they just called me the magic boy and so stuff. So you were so that guy. I was totally that guy. Like, in between class, I'd stick a needle through my arm. Like, did you dress like Harry Stone from Night Court, where you had the old-timey suits and the fedora? No, because I was simultaneously like a like a poser Grateful Dead hippie guy. So I would wear my Birkenstocks and my Grateful Dead shirts. You know, maybe I, I listened to two songs or something like that. Watch so me make this joint disappear, man. But Harry Anderson was my idol as a kid. He's he was a big inspiration to me. That's great. Did you ever meet people, him? I have met him. I have met him. Super cool guy. That's awesome. But his magic style was fabulous. Yeah. He. Uh, I I always. I was always surprised there wasn't more of a magic. I mean, like, obviously his character in that show was obsessed with magic, but he didn't really do a lot of magic on the show. It was more of a backstory. He used to do yeah, that yeah. amazing trick where he would do the the needle through the arm, and then it would start leaking blood uh-huh. halfway through and be like, oh, fucking loved that trick. Yeah, I mean, he, he was the first, I think, to really give magic, like, a sense of healthy irony and kind of yes. self-sarcasm that uh, that people had never seen. Most magicians were so full of themselves, and he's just kind of nonchalant about it, and it just happens. Were there Are there off. two schools of magicians where it's like, <laughs> it's basically like Gryffindor and Slytherin? Are you, uh, are you, <laughs> are there, because there are the flashy magicians. Right. Your style is much more. I'm a guy. I'm a guy. I'm, a guy. I'm cool not. Shit. I'm not going to dress like a professional billiard player. <laughs> <laughs> right. You know, like the flashy. What is it with magicians and like weird like fashion stuff? I don't know. I they need like, to fit their like shit in there. Doug Henning, you know, like Doug Henning was the first the jumpsuits. who pulled us out of the tuxedo. I mean, for years it was just magicians always had to wear a tuxedo. Harry Blackstone and Harry Blackstone Jr. tuxedo. So Henning, you know, with the the tie dye and the jumpsuits. I mean, that was super refreshing. Illusion. At the time. Illusion, guys. And I don't know what it is about magicians having to to dress it up a little bit. I feel like uh, they but get away with it. But it's weird though. Now it's time. weird though. It's like weird. It's I don't think it's weird. It's such a, like a magic, such an old timey thing. 
but not old timey, not a... tuxedos, but I mean just like sort of weird, ruffly. Lapels yeah, 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 well, yeah. I think it's all about distracting the eye any way you can. And if you got a bunch of ruffles on, maybe you're distracting Sequins. the eye a little bit more. Sequins. Yeah. It's just that showbiz, the rock cats kind of. Yeah. You know, Flashy. Flashy, you the know. Cat skills. Yeah. <laughs> that guy's a that guy's in show business. You can yeah. tell. Yeah. They are basically, you know, magic are basically visual reality hacks. Completely. It's such an interesting and I the idea of it terrifies me so much. I'm sure everyone's just had the dream where you're standing on stage and you're like, ta-da, and then someone's like, I can see the cord under the thing. You're like, mm. no. Yeah, I mean, it's, and, and these days it's so it's it's so hard to get an audience to really be on board with wanting to not wanting to be fooled. Yeah, you know, everyone they're just uh, we just have to know how everything works. We don't like just not understanding something, so it makes the job pr pretty tough. I just wish people would just chill out, but I, I guess that's just the nature of it. But I think people enjoy that though, because I I would I I went to your monthly show at Meltdown that yeah. you would do and. Which is a great variety show, not just you, but like all these really great magicians and performers and jugglers and 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 and. Uh, do but the jugglers hate how low the ceiling is. <laughs> they do, they do, but they pull it off. Yeah. They make it all its whole shtick. But then you, but then watching you do stuff, and then people literally in the audience are like, "Holy fuck!" Like they <laughs> scream. It's it, it's still one of those things where when you can when you can pull it off, it totally people are just get fucking it's favorite, flummoxed. It's my favorite thing. It's my favorite thing in the world. You like to be. I, lo I love that you like to you like to just kind of savor the moment. You don't like to pick it apart right away. No, You're I don't right. like to pick I'll, it apart I'll, at all. On the way home, it's it's good to do on the way it's home. It's good fodder. Yeah. I don't even yeah. like to think about it because it just it is what it is. And my figuring out like how you do something isn't. I mean, maybe from a technical standpoint, I go, "Oh, that's really clever to do that." But I just like not knowing. I like. That you can make stuff up here and other stuff, and I have no idea how it happened. Right. It's just like I surrender myself it's to fun. it. It's fun. It's fun to see. Like it's like it's for me. It's just like wow, he really he really did something that I couldn't see. Yeah, it's, it's, it's about fun. Yeah. Creating an, a moment of astonishment. Yeah, you know, and snapping us out of this reality that we all live in. So can you? Is it sort of like music where it's like? You're not going to come up with a chord progression that no one's thought of before, but it's just presenting it in a different way. For you, is it about, you know, have you actually invented a thing or is it just, oh, well, this trick that I do is actually a piece of this and a piece of that. It's it's the old it's the old ball and loop gag mixed with the old yeah. balloonorama. I'm, like, I'm a remixer. The okay. old balloonorama. Yeah. I like to take, I mean, a lot of the best stuff, at least in my act, is, is are ideas that are ancient, you know, from like old, old books. And just dress it up with new props or take take things that people have been doing for a while and, like you said, just kind of switch up the premise or present it differently so it feels fresh. That's my that's my approach. But there's guys who are just who will come up with stuff that has never been done. And luckily for me, most of those guys are, are not great performers. So when, <laughs> when, when that's what that's what keeps me in business. But but a lot of the times those guys are the guys who will be the guy behind the guy and share these secrets with with, you know, I'm, someone like Copperfield, who's a brilliant performer. And, um, you know, he's just got a, a brain trust of guys who will come up with these brilliant ideas that are fit for him. And he'll be the only one who does it. And I mean, that's kind of why he's the the king of the game for so yeah. long. I'd like to you, see his workshop. Did he, how oh, long did it take him to get to a, women <laughs> on an How long did it take him to get to a point to have those guys? There must have been like, it must have taken him like, like he had to be pretty big to be able to pay, start paying these guys. Yeah, to have these consultants on retainer for him, I'm sure. I mean, because he had some just the, the best brains in the business. I mean, this yeah. one guy, um, I mean, he's just, he's a brilliant historian and magic creator. His name is Jim Steinmeier. And he's been around forever, but he, he kind of helped create the vanishing of the Statue of Liberty illusion. I mean, like, he's, he's one of those epic guy behind the guys 
who uh, obviously are not cheap. But yeah. uh, you know, Copperfield was so successful right away with his Broadway show. And but Copperfield came along at the at the right time though, because there, you know, he came along at a time where there were like super performers, like super comics, super magicians. You know, I mean, and and super in the sense that they were people that the entire culture knew. Yeah. You know, and now so much of our culture is so splintered because everyone's niche and you know it's not as you know like there. I mean, yeah, there's. There's Louie, and there's Chris Rock, and there's Chappelle, but there aren't really a, there aren't really a ton of super comic performers anymore. And I wonder if it's the same with Magic, or are there? Well, yeah, I mean, you know, you know them all. There's Blaine, who yeah. kind of became the household name, and then Chris Angel, who's kind of like you know household <laughs> name in Vegas. But there's it's, it's so funny, like with with Magic, a trailer hold name. <laughs> People people will have tons of favorite musicians and tons of favorite comedians, and they have no problem compartmentalizing them into having you know a lot enjoying lots of genres of music and enjoying lots of genres of comedy. But with magic, a lot of people just kind of have space for one guy in their head. They come, that's what they comedy's like. They don't appreciate the wide variety of magic out there. So there's so much stuff, but people just you know they just don't know they don't know it exists. They don't know the the breadth of the art. Is it, it's the same thing in comedy because I think it's just. It's it's not like it's I think most people are, would probably think it's too much energy to take a deep dive and see all the subgenres of magic. Right. They just want that's the thing and they're like that 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 just checks that box. Right. In their category. But everyone, have you guys been to the Magic Castle, Jonah, man? Yeah. Yeah, I love it. Have you been to the Magic Castle? No. It's fucking great. Awesome. Just don't want to put on a suit. Yeah. <laughs> you have to wear a suit and a tie. You do. Have you been down to the to the the library archives down oh, in there? It's amazing down there. Fuck. That's yeah. the reason Deanna wants to uh get past there. She wants to do enough to get past just so she can look at that library. That's right, because you can be a member, you can be an associate member of the Magic Castle where you're just a lover of the craft and you can kind of get in, but you have to be a magician member to get to the bowels where the real secrets are, where the (sighs) real magic happens. She did a magic act uh, at uh, a Syphil and Ollie convention, I think like her senior year of high school. And it was like all that. It was just like she kept on doing these tricks, but one thing would happen, but another thing would go completely wrong and then she would start crying through the next, uh, you know... um, trick and stuff like that and, and then crying uh, is part of the act yeah cry okay, her crying okay. is like she would like it was like oh but like she would like still be crying and then still make stuff work mm-hmm. you know and then um she uh she was just a kid when she did it and then like years and years later she met uh liam lynch the guy who created syphil and ollie she's like oh yeah a long time ago i did a weird magic act at your uh at your convention and he's like i have a video of that i fucking love that <laughs> oh that's <laughs> yeah. awesome that's a pretty progressive inventive her, her, her big yeah. uh although Deanna's biggest trick is domesticating this wild stallion <laughs> over here. Am I right, Jonah That's Ray? true. Yeah, you pulled that off. <laughs> I'm Others sure she tried, and I'm I sure fought she... them off. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure she cries a lot during that process, she too. She sure does. <laughs> <laughs> but magic was always one of those things that I I, I could understand why you... And I also loved Harry Anderson, but I think I came in more on the comedy side sure. of that guy. But, uh, but it, it just... There is definitely science behind magic that really fascinates me. That I, I just, I'm sorry that I didn't take more There's time to learn. There's an excellent Nova Science Now, uh, which is the show yeah. Neil deGrasse Tyson hosts on uh, PBS, and they do a segment about uh, magicians and the uh, like, like mapping the brain as the brain watches a magician do the cup trick or whatever, and like Penn and Teller are there demonstrating for the thing, and it's just like the brain fills in blanks that aren't there. Yeah. So like the the brain goes, okay, you didn't see that go there, but it's over there. 
All right, that well, that's, a, that's yeah, animation this, too. The psychology behind yeah, it. Is yeah. Will you tell if I if I ask you? No, you probably can't do that. <laughs> there are things that actually. Let's I am get Mitch Pelegi in here to narrate. <laughs> Mitch Pelegi. I haven't said that if guy's name out loud reference, in ages. God bless you, Mitch Pelegi yeah. from X Files. Yeah, he hosted. He narrated the magician secret because it was on Fox. The, the yeah. masked magician. The masked magician. He, he narrated it. narration. <laughs> I saw. I was. I was <laughs> watching an online masked. clip, and I think it's a British show of the Penn and Teller have people come on and try to stump them. Yeah. And the med Fools. oh yeah, Fools. Yeah. And uh, and so they had this this quick change couple yeah. come out, and they were fucking amazing. And Penn and Teller were like, really great. I mean, obviously you didn't fool us, but which is funny because they don't really have to justify why they all they have to do is say yes or no. Yeah, Teller will sometimes scribble on a piece of paper, I mean, like the the the, the and a, a, yeah. a drawing, and they'll have to be like, yeah, that's how. It, that's how it <laughs> <laughs> Is there is there, is there any insight into quick change that you could that you could give or you do is it is that not quick change is I mean it, it, it blows my mind I mean we all know I mean obviously it must be they must it, be layered we we get dressed we know that you can have layers of clothing but but the way that they do it with such speed is is mind blowing yeah I mean I did a little quick change thing in in a little a new Nerdist channel thing yeah uh, promoting pr- promo thing and it uh, what I love about it is that it, obviously quick changing it, it it startles people because you know there's no props it's just what what you wear so it really crunches the brain what it, what resonates the most with you like what do you get really excited about in with, with magic like what types of tricks do you like as far as far as forming your identity what types of tricks do you find that you keep going back to well i always go like whenever i go see a pen and teller show i get really inspired i mean they've been my favorite since i was a kid for for several reasons first in that they they always kind of twist the art form and they make it just something more than magic they they use it to you know tell a, a political message or yeah. a commentary or some sort of you know um, you know their bullet catch i mean the 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 different uh, messages that they weave in there is amazing, but they they never stop creating new stuff so like most magicians will create an act and once they get that act down, they will tour and perform that act forever. You know, that will be their act. Whereas comedians have this ethic, you guys always working on new stuff and, you know, Louis with a new hour every year. And magicians don't have that that in their blood. I don't know why it is. But uh, Penn and Teller will always have new stuff. So if you go see their show and you hadn't seen them in two years, it'll be like half new. Well, probably because probably because I would imagine with perfecting a trick, it just takes time and it takes time to get all the nuance down. And that's every time you have to do that. That's a whole other workshop. Yeah. Period. And it can never, I mean, it can never get too perfect. I mean, there, there are certain things, like like Teller, I don't know if you've seen him do his shadow rose routine, where there's a light projecting a shadow of a, you know, he's got a, a rose and a vase and it projects it onto a screen, he takes a knife and he basically cuts up the shadow and the rose actually reacts and the petals fall off and stuff like that. So it's just a perfect piece of theater that I think that he has perfected. You know what I mean? But most pieces of magic, I mean, there's always so much you can do to keep improving it and tweak it and, you know, tighten it up. I also like how they, you, you said it's like, it's a good piece of theater. That's a lot of the chunks of their show. I've seen about three times live Penn Teller. And there's the one where it's, uh, you know, Teller will do the cigarette, the, the distract. Yeah. And the, but then, you know, while it's happening, uh, Penn is playing like a, just kind of a jazzy bass line. And then, and then just, uh, Penn will then, or Teller will then turn around and reveal like how it was done. 
but it's like done to this kind of like very like poetic rhythmic mm-hmm. like and it's just this neat thing it's just this neat piece they did a very the good little piece vignettes of that's yeah what's, what's yeah. so awesome you know I mean when you can walk away and feel like you just it wasn't a magic show it was a piece of theater where you you actually feel the art is something I don't think people associate with magic enough do you find that you are, are just in, like interpersonally good at manipulating people's attention because yes. oh, not me. <laughs> <laughs> no not you man i mean go back to ironing my clothes because you have to you know like you're, you're part of your job on stage is to get people to pay attention to things that they're that they not you know like rather than what they would need yeah, to pay attention I mean, to to understand the trick direction, as they call it or i think more more importantly direction is really you know not like the whole look over here while you do something over here is, is more of a misnomer than just kind of really just using your body language and really your verbals to just get people to kind of look look somewhere and just you know have their whole uh, psyche follow some sort of direction when really you know you're leading them down the wrong path i guess i'm pretty good at that i mean that's kind of the crux of what i do but oddly enough, it kind of doesn't carry over into real life. Like, I'm not like a good, I'm, I'm annoyingly honest in real life. Uh, you know, like, I'm not a good liar, whereas for a living, I lie. You know what I mean? I, so it's weird that I can't. You save it all for the stage. I save it all for the stage, where it belongs. <laughs> <laughs> Some, I'm sure girls will be like, are you just, are you going to trick me? honest with that. Are you going to trick me? Yeah. What's the, uh, <laughs> what's sort of your worst story of a trick failing? On stage. Oh, man. I knew you were going to ask me that. Most of these, the horror stories I kind of put out of my mind. But, uh, so, or, or, okay, if, no, I've got a bad, I've got a kind of an Chris's trick is making them appear again. This is uncomfortable. <laughs> when I was, when I was 14, I got my first, you know, I used to, I couldn't get pain gigs. So I would do, with my mentor, I, I would do these, uh, like just charity functions. So I did the, it was doing the juvenile hemophiliacs association Christmas oh. party in St. Louis. Don't get ahead of me. <laughs> and, uh, I was doing this particular trick where you would, it was called the, I think it was called the pizza oven surprise where you'd have like a cardboard disc in the shape of a pizza and you put it in one side of a little fake oven it would and you'd roll it over to the other side and the audience would see it go but so so it's kind of you make it disappear but before the trick starts when the, your kid assistant comes on stage you secretly hang an extra pizza on their back using an open safety pin so I'm hanging and I'm at the hemophiliacs association oh. Christmas party oh no so I have this kid on stage oh, no I'm like here buddy just stand right here and then I kind of hang it on and hear him go ow I'm like, uh, and I just kind of <laughs> got very, God. now luckily it was, it was like one of their, I don't know the science of hemophilia, I don't know if that would have been a life or death situation. It's one of the most clotty of the bunch. Yes, it was, it, luckily it was like a brother of, you oh know, someone God, in but what if it wasn't? Can it you was, make my blood bad. coagulate? Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, buddy. <sighs> if you like pizza, I can. Oh my God. Yeah. What's the worst, what's the worst sort of thing you've seen? Like, you don't have to name names, but what's, what's the biggest like fail that you've seen happen to a magician where you just go, Oh no, oh, man. I mean, you know, uh, there, there are times where illusionists, you know, will do tricks with their, the big kind of the big boxes and stuff. And sometimes, you know, not without revealing anything, but, you know, whatever traps or curtains or whatever, whatever sort of uh, secret that box will employ doesn't close all the way. So the guy will act like the girl's gone, but then you secretly see the top of her head there and she's looking at you guys uncomfortably, you know, that's uh. awkward. Or, or, you know, I used to do an act with doves. I would use, like, use doves, you know, kind of like Lance Burton. I was very inspired by him. So I would use, like, 12 doves at a time. But when you got 12 doves hidden wherever they're hidden, they don't always stay hidden. They will kind of 
flap out and stuff <laughs> like that. So I'll have, you know, I used to have like a dove flapping out of my jacket and out of my sleeve. And it's kind of hard to cover that up with a joke. <laughs> I don't know. I think a joke is the perfect way to cover that up, though, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. That's sort of a mechanism. It became a comedy act yeah. inadvertently, and that's when I realized that being serious is not for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. what, was, what was your, besides Harry Anderson, what were your comedy, uh, what was your comedy? Well, um, Steve Martin was always a yep. huge influence yep. Yep. on me just because of how absurd and ridiculous he also was. Also a magician? Also started as a magician. Mm -hmm. um, and Johnny Carson also, also started, started as a magician, but a huge influence to me growing up. Uh, Dennis Miller... Did not not a magician. Yeah, now he is a magician. Hey, what am yeah. I, uh, Harry Blackstone <laughs> over here, man? He had a great changing act a few years back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Not a quick change. <laughs> Actually, it was a quick change. Yeah. It was a quick change. So, I mean, those were kind of my big influences growing up. Gallagher, unfortunately, when I was a kid, loved him. Oh, Gallagher was fun. I fucking loved Gallagher when I was a kid. He was smashing, smashing yeah. watermelons. that his Geico commercial is very funny. So funny, right? It's yeah. very funny. Have you seen it? No. What is it? Very I'm funny. happier than Gallagher at a farmer's market. Yeah, it's yeah. just these folk singer things, because Geico has 73 different ad campaigns going at once, and uh, the, just, you're, there you see this couple at a farmer's market on a quiet, sunny day. And they're just hanging out. They're, they're talking, and the guy's like, "Oh, you have fresh uh, watermelons." And then just Gallagher runs with the sledgehammer and just starts smashing them up. And the folk singers are like, "Yeah, saving car insurance money is like I'm as happy as Gallagher at a farmer's market on a Sunday." That's a funny joke. This podcast brought to you by Geico. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I hate Geico. Yeah, well, there goes. <laughs> oh that yeah, they kind of fucked you over. Yeah, they sure did. Yeah, yeah. There, there was a thing on Reddit the other day that said, not only did they not save me on my car insurance, but they wouldn't pay for this thing. Yeah. That I, well, that's allegedly. I don't know if that actually happened. Yeah. That was just a thing that just I saw on Reddit. Reddit. Everything on Reddit what are is they, true. An insurance company? I mean, come on. Yeah, but they got the fucking gecko. They're awesome and cool. <laughs> they got the fucking gecko. Who? It, you know what? Put the gecko on the phone. I wonder how many people want to speak to the gecko. I was confused the, when that ad campaign started. It was the gecko being annoyed that they were confusing him with Geico, and now all of a sudden he got over that. He's quick. all for it. Yeah. Well, once they start paying that gecko, sell out. He's paid gecko since Gex. Yeah. Oh man. Voiced by Dana, Dana Gould. Gould. Yep. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Panasonic 3DO. That is a that is a reaching back into the video game vaults. Yeah. Yeah. Um. What, uh, where, when you kind of look at your, that the life of a magician, like your sort of long term, like what is it, what is it that you, that you want to happen? Is, well, is it the Copperfield thing? Is it like, you know, is it big magic and like, you know, million dollar magic or is it, you know, more cool street stuff or what, what do you, what do you think? You know, when I was, obviously when you're a kid, you see the Copperfield thing and you think that's awesome, you know, like every, you know, having a Vegas show, but then if you're going to have a Vegas show, you have to live in Vegas and that just sounds miserable now that I'm a grown up. Like, yeah. The idea and now that I know you, I can't it. picture you vis living in Vegas without uh, your soul dying. Yeah. I don't think I could do it. And the commute from LA to Vegas every day would be a kid. <laughs> so, um, but doable, but it's possible. Jet. But I feel like, I mean, in the vein of Penn and Teller, who kind of have a, you know, they have they have such a variety of their hand, all their hands in all areas of the market, you know, in terms of their shows and everything like that, and just kind of being more the magicians, being debunkers and being cynics and the skeptics. I mean, I feel like uh, using your magic as a as a vehicle to kind of have something to say in all these different realms would be would be a great long term thing. So. I would love to have a, a, a big show and have people come to see me as opposed to, you know, trudging my, my suitcases around the country. But, uh, but I think just kind of being a voice and taking, taking magic in a new realm. You know Dar Darren Brown? No. In the UK? He's a great, uh, I mean, I guess you'd label him as a mentalist 
where he basically every year does a, a brand new one man show, a two hour show, and it's just very intelligent, you know, mentalism and, and about psychology and subliminal subliminal influence and um and and he does he makes of course his living touring with his live show, but then he'll do his specials and everything like that where it can be on the street kind of he will he will kind of instantly hypnotize people into thinking that these pieces of newspaper are money and he'll you'll, he'll do hidden cameras of him paying people with paper you know and, or he'll like subliminally instantly hypnotize someone into just giving them their wallet so um, you should you should YouTube Dar- that's oh, crazy that he's, he's brilliant he's awesome so something like that in, in terms of you know, at the core, at the core, he's a magician, but he's kind of taking it to a new level where you can't really just say he's he's a mentalist or a magician. He's just Darren Brown. You know, yeah. so I think being being, um, you know, uh, someone who's known as just the, the only one of you would be the goal. Yeah. A lot of uh, a lot of magicians tend to go for their skeptics and, you know, yeah. and cynics and stuff like that. Is that is there a scene of just like religious magicians or you know is, is that a there is uh the go- a gospel magic scene i mean there's a really? whole yeah i mean oh that's whole, fascinating whole, yeah i guess i don't see why not yeah all yeah. magicians especially me you know, what's also ironic is when magicians complain about people wanting to figure out the tricks is that all of us who are magicians became magicians because we saw a magician and couldn't handle not knowing how it worked so yeah. therefore we are that guy that we hate in the audience right but uh but of course as a magician you become disenchanted right away because you know what you hope was going to be a world of wonder and magic where you actually have the power to you know do impossible things there's just there's all these just little tricks and gimmicks and kind of psychology behind it so you become really skeptical about everything around you and you'd think that would transfer over of course into religious skepticism and very often it does you know Penn and Teller are very devout you know atheists and kind of love you know uh, having the the platform of, of skepticism, but uh, yeah, there's a lot of gospel magicians who, on the flip side of it, will use magic as metaphor for, you know, Christ and and love and eternal life and the Bible. And instead of you know using the book of spells, it'll be a Bible. And yeah. you know, and and I mean, it's it's kind of a great it's a great uh, live demonstration. I mean, if you're going to watch a, a sermon, imagine <laughs> yes, instead of the guy talking about the miracles of the Bible, performing the miracles mm-hmm. of the Bible. It's uh, it's kind of a good sales. You pitch. could control masses of people, Justin. <laughs> <laughs> know, There's right? a at the Center for Inquiry uh, in Los Feliz, uh, the Steve Allen Theater. They have uh, some framed old letters of a correspondence between um, uh, Houdini and I think some other guy, and like it was just this like like these letters going back and forth between like uh, just about skepticism. And stuff like that, and like uh, this guy just trying to debunk stuff, or Houdini trying to like debunk this guy's. Yeah, Houdini was an epic debunker. I mean, on spirit mediums and people who would kind of try to help purport to help people contact their dead relatives, and so he would go undercover. He would actually dress up. This was kind of after his big touring heyday, and he kind of calmed down because he so wanted to contact his dead mother. He was, you know, just heartbroken when his mother died. So he would go to all these skeptics and was so pissed off to see that they were all using magic techniques to... Not skeptics, you mean he was going to... I'm sorry, he he would go to all these psychics and mediums because he desperately wanted to find a way. He really wanted there to be a way to contact the dead. And they were all these psychics were just using magic tricks, really, uh, but playing them off as real, you know, and of course, you know, milking people for their money and really making them believe that that, that they were doing things that they weren't. So he was sort so of he like... He was going to rampage and just busting them. He was kind yeah. of the Dexter of... <laughs> yeah. There was a movie, what was Hunting. the movie called that, uh, there was a movie that like covered that part of his life where he went out. Uh, I yeah, I can't remember. I saw it on a plane. Uh, but it was just, it's, uh, watch it's, a lot of movies on planes. I do. I do. I try to, it's, it's a nice opportunity to watch yeah, a movie. You've never seen. Yeah. yeah. 
But uh, yeah, it's uh, I forget who's in it, but it's like a movie where it, just about that. Like he goes to this town where there's supposed to be a person that is able to do this, and then it's like him almost like believing, and then like getting very upset when it's you know not yeah. the case. Yeah, he was. And so he, how many? I mean, I I know the broad strokes of the story, but how many people did? I mean, like, was it? Hundreds and hundreds of people. He went any, any, anywhere. To anywhere. Ch- I mean, it was it was kind of like you, you could imagine as a reality show now. It was like he was the Howie Mandel of the time in his outfit and would just, you know, play like a guy trying to contact someone dead. And then when he would just calm out in the tricks, flip the light on with whisk off his disguise. I'm Houdini and you're a fake. And uh, no one killed yeah. him. And he offered business, like a ton of money too. ton right? of money. You know, yeah. He really wanted there to be a way and was really heartbroken that there wasn't. Yeah. <laughs> That's cool but sad at the same time. Because I know sad. at the uh, at the um, Magic Castle, do they still do the Houdini do. thing where you can, you can actually get yeah. a group together and go do the Houdini seance where they try to contact Houdini. And there's a big dinner and you go into a special room and you've got Houdini's artifacts all around. You've got his handcuffs on the wall. Yeah. So, um, yeah, and it's, and, and it's really trippy and believable. So you can imagine 100 years ago when you see that kind of stuff happening that you're going to flip out and, and get your wallet out and, and try to, you know, m- yeah. make this guy, you know, make all your, your dreams come true. Well, there was, there was no Internet 100 years ago, you guys. So people weren't they sharing information yes. the way we yeah. are now. And so it was so much easier to trick slobs. <laughs> Are you watching the Long Island Medium on TLC? No. What? What's that? It's just about this Long Island psychic. Who's yeah. tricking people? Who, well, I, I would think so. I don't think she's talking to the kid's dead dad. Maybe uh, not. So you got to make their. Th- some of them are good at it. I mean, like John Edwards. That guy's yeah. pretty good at faking like he's Oh, that's South Park. Right? God damn it. That's that so funny. So what is it when they're... Is it that they're... Just because I remember watching a special with the amazing Randy. Yeah. And he would go in and he said as for a time in college, he was giving people tarot readings. And then as an experiment, he started telling them the exact opposite of what the cards were saying. And he said it didn't matter what he told people. Their brains would always find a way to yeah. connect to the information that he was giving them. And they were like, oh, my God, you're right. Even if it was exactly the opposite of what the, the tarot cards yeah, were I mean, saying. Yeah, like the art of cold reading is that, that you know, you could people just really will grasp onto what is right and kind of ignore all the things that you're missing. On yeah. and kind of just go with it because they want to believe they so really bad that it believe. does that yeah. it doesn't the matter. The brain connects it for them. Yeah. Exactly. Callback. Wow. The cups. The cups We're and balls. We're doing it. <laughs> cups and balls. How much are you touring now? Um, I was in Saskatoon, Canada this morning. Uh, this morning? This morning. Holy shit! Yeah. How long is that Don't flight? Be jealous, mm-hmm. guys. Pretty jealous. It was. Uh, it was like four hours. Oh, okay. I was doing a, a corporate event last. Still impressive night for a stiff crowd. Because he was in Canada this morning, and, yeah, and it kind of makes you feel cool. Some, yeah. Oh, good. <laughs> so yeah, magicians cool. get stiff corporate crowds too. Yeah. <laughs> well, this was weird. This was like a, a small group of insurance executives, and I was like their after dinner entertainment. And they were the, they were the, I mean, they were enjoying themselves, but they didn't for a second want to get on the bandwagon of suspending the disbelief. It was really all about how did this happen. So after my first bit, you know, where I predict the tweet, yeah, which yeah. is normally when I get them hooked and they're all roused them to applause and then I churn forward in the show, but they kind of almost like immediately broke off into conversation about how I did that uh, right in front, you know, right, right after the bit. Anyway. So, I had to loop them back in, guys. I'm because they're an insurance. Here. They constantly are. They're all smoking mirrors themselves. Exactly. Like that's yeah. it. <laughs> they're all about. Just like what you said before. Mm. Sure, we'll give you this uh, policy. Oh, wow, you know, the qualifications. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, you know. yeah. <laughs> but then on the flip side, there's audiences who you know people come up after the show and they'll be like, "I know what you do is real. I know you can't say it's real, but oh. I know it's real." <laughs> are you serious? Yeah, yeah. 
I mean, the people who just they 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 think that you you know I really have powers. They don't have to say no no no. I'm just I'm just an entertainer. You know, it's just kind of I'm just the guy, and they'd be like, I know you have to really because yeah. anyway, you, I have to go watch a real wrestling match now. You're yeah, totally exactly. in a position where you can be like, my semen has curative powers. Mm-hmm. Well. I didn't tell you how the conversation ended, Chris. But, uh, Just rub this on your belly. <laughs> I'll get it started. Uh, I want the... Uh, oh, Jesus Christ. I'm going to make my penis disappear in your vagina. Where is it? Uh, Come on. That was my NACA showcase. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Justin Wilman, After Dark. After Dark. <laughs> on USA. Yeah. It's got to be better than Cash Cab. Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> There's a there's a guy here with you. Is he here to make sure you don't reveal any secrets? Yeah, he's with the guild. He's, the, he's my alliance member. He's the man in black. Yes, he'll he'll stab me. You guys see him too? I mention anything. I'm not. Thought it was to. just me. Yeah. No, this is Jeff Abraham. He, he's a he's a former magician as well. He was at the he was a Magic Castle junior. You know they have the junior program. What is Magic that? Castle? It's like Hogwarts, but oh. real. Oh my God. Yeah. When did you get good. your owl letter? You get an owl letter? I did. Yeah. Oh, that's fantastic. <laughs> yeah. 30 years ago. <laughs> no longer a muggle. I have a friend I have a friend who just uh he just got passed at the Magic Castle. He was uh he, he followed in the footsteps of uh the guy from the guitar player from the Pixies, where he was like a bass player in a rock band that wasn't yeah. playing as much. His name is Ronnie Barnett. He's in the, he was in the band The Muffs. And then uh like now he went he's like he's like, I'm gonna get into I'm gonna get into magic bob. That's what I'm gonna do. Calls everyone Bob. You're gonna get into magic. That's what I'm gonna do. Calls everyone Bob. Yeah, calls everyone Bob. That's pretty funny. And uh, and like uh, I was like, all right, Ronnie. This is like he's like he's in this one band, the most, and he's also in like uh, a female fronted, a uh, lesbian female fronted uh, Journey cover band. Uh, what are they called? I can't remember. I want to say Believe, but that doesn't sound right. I like it. Uh, but uh, then like uh, I didn't see him for probably like three years, and then I I saw him. and He's like, you gotta come check me out. Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, magic's pretty cool, especially if, I mean, there's so many guys who magic will be like their second career, you know, obsession. It becomes a hobby and then they kind of take off. And yeah. uh, it's it's just, it's pretty, it's pretty cool. And a lot of people don't get to see the cool side of it. I mean, in LA, you have the magic castle, so you get to go out and you get to see that there's so many different genres and that there's so much it's so cool depth there. to the art. But a lot of people just still think of it as a dude with sequins and lapels or... You know, way to reinforce creepy, stereotype, Chris. <laughs> I think about I think about becoming like a, just a, a civilian member of the Magic Castle all Go the time. Ahead. I just I just want to be able to hang out there all the. T- I just love it. I love being in there. I See, love it's like so funny that most magicians really really want to be cool and hang out with comics, but it's pretty <laughs> cool that comics actually want to be. I just think it's so magicians. rad. I just love like there was like a couple, everything I've heard. I about saw it a couple guys good. drinking at the bar. I just want to be able to hang out in that bar here too because you yeah. just see these guys like uh, like one guy will do one thing and be like oh, and then the other guy will top it, and it's just them hanging out. It's like a duel. Yeah, yeah. Throw it's it's fun. Slinging their magic lingo. I also yeah. hear the bread pudding at the Magic Castle is delicious. Yeah, well. Yeah. Did they repair the kitchen? <laughs> they did. They had a fire in October, but they are back and better than ever. Justin, that, well, yeah. I don't know. I've never had the bread pudding. I've never had it either. I've never had it either. I've just been told. I didn't know. It's so I have good. I've been told. Oh man. Well, in, in the old in the older days, the the the, 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 the olden days, the the restaurant at the Magic Castle was not amazing, and I think in recent years it's turned around a bit. I think. Neil Patrick Harris is president of the Magic Castle, mm-hmm. and I think he's shaking things up. He really How does wanted he get to be president. Of the, is he he's a magician. He's magical. I didn't know he was. He's, a, he's, a, he's a, yeah. I, mean, he's, I know he's magical. Does he ever? Uh, does he ever drop in? 
He, he's there all the time. I mean, really? got a board meeting once a week, and he's there. He is, but does he ever he's like go up like and do He's not just like a phoning it in president either. That man, he's he's there. He's you there. hear he's that, Obama? Have there been other presidents? Just kind of there come the tweets. But a lot of people kind of assume, oh, Neil Patrick Harris is the president. Maybe that's just a figurehead thing. But he's like legit, you know, passionate about it. It's great. I mean, so so the restaurant, obviously, he is a foodie. So that's one of his first orders of business is to make the reputation of the Magic Castle great food. You know, something terrible is happening. Oh, there's a weird tour group. <laughs> oh, really? oh, wow. wow, look at them. Any, What's that like we're on like right wing radio? You did this. Oh, you were the one. No, you. This is bullshit. I swear. I don't know who oh, these my God. You don't know how to thing. Tour right, group. Easy rush. Tour group, but like what tour? At 7 o'clock at night in the E building. strange. I don't know what that is. Because I saw a guy wheeling in a shopping, like a Ralph's cart full of stuff. Again, everything relates to food that I'm talking about. But uh, I saw him go in. I was like, why are you bringing in stuff? There's not time for lunch. It was like 6 o'clock. So I don't want to know what that tour is all about. Going Get to the bottom of that. I, I'm in a podcast right now. What am I supposed Use to do? Use your powers. Mm-hmm. M. Is there a name that starts with M? My name starts with M. <laughs> Matt! Hey. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. That's the, that's the third letter in my grandmother's maiden name. Whoa. <laughs> yeah, uh, magical. You Chris, take my money. <laughs> take uh... Squeal in the Pie. What? It's the name of my uh, Lesbian Journey cover band. Oh. <laughs> Just thought of it. Oh, Jesus. I know. Squeal in the Pie, uh, keeps, on in the pie keeps on turning. Keeps her yearning. Yep. I don't know where I'll be. There was a, there, back in the early M-Bar days, which uh, the show that became Comedy Death Ray, then Comedy Bang Bang, there was... Uh, Andrew Golden Hirsch. Golden Hirsch. Yeah. Fucking he great magician. Guy, he was a guy that would just hang out and was always like really fun and funny and nice. And then once I went to the uh, magic shop on uh, Hollywood Boulevard uh-huh. just to go get some fake handcuffs. Uh, and uh, <laughs> Sure. Yeah. I also, it was like, it was weird. It was like buying condoms where I'm like, I got those and some other things to kind of shield it. And I was like, I just, I'm getting all kinds of stuff. <laughs> so to cover up the condoms, you got <laughs> yeah, fake yeah. handcuffs. Yeah. Uh, but uh, but then I saw a picture of him. I was like, "Hey, I know that guy. That's Andrew." And then they're like, they're like "Oh yeah!" Like I had no idea this yeah. guy was just like. I grew a, up with Andrew. I've known yeah. him since I was like fourteen. We he's well regarded, came right? Up in St. Louis, he's very well regarded. Very well regarded. He's. I think he sold the trick to Copperfield. He did. He did. Speaking of the guy behind the guy. He, he um yeah, and, and it's funny because you just he was just a comedy fan. You know that's that like how we know a script to. <laughs> it's probably Brothers. a pretty big deal. Yeah. Well, remember like uh, monologue uh, Joel Hodgson from Mr. Sand Theater? Like he sold that uh, he sold that thing to that one other ventriloquist. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. He's a guy that started in magic as well, and then went yeah. into ventrilo- ventriloquism. But but Andrew, he you know like oh he's a cool comedy fan. He's like hey I'm performing the Magic Castle, and you go and see him, and you're like oh fuck he's the real deal. He's not just like a guy who's playing around with magic. Like he is and an actual long curly hair. Yeah. Yes, oh, yes. Not yeah. only is he amazing magician, yeah. Yeah. like weird Al here. He's yeah. a fucking ridiculous guitar player, like classical guitar player. And you watch him play classical guitar, and he just has those long magician fingers oh, that yeah, brrr, like Crossroads, the dueling Crossroads. He plays all this crazy like Michael Hedges stuff that you yeah. that you can't that requires you think like three hands to play. Yeah, he's been a mentor of mine since I since I grew up, and man, it's just amazing. Like he's he's repeated close up and parlor magician of the year. The trick he sold the Copperfield. He, he has a 
a butterfly tattoo on his arm. Yeah. Like, and he peels it off and shows that it's temporary and just rubs it into a little rubber ball and then it turns into a robot. And then flies up and and flies up into the ceiling. That's great. That's cool. And it's girls tear up, you know. Wait, so you saw you saw him in St. Louis? Yeah, he's from St. Louis. Okay. uh, And I'm from St. Louis. So we would go like to the Magic Club meetings every second Thursday in a church basement. Like literally, you know, we're just fellow magic. Once again, very ironic. Forever. (laughs) Very (laughs) ironic. So funny. But uh, and then he moved out to LA before me. He's you know a couple years older than me, but uh, yeah, he's the real deal. That's great. And he used to do. I mean, brilliant contact juggler. He used to do that. And he's like a Renaissance man. This says he his company's called Golden Hands because yep. he's got these just. Hands. Are you terrified? How do you, if I were a magician, I would be terrified of just having my hands out in public all the time and having fingers break. And I'm not terrified. I'm horrible on my hands. They get all burnt up and. Because, you know, obviously to make all these strange little tinkering gimmicks that we do, you know, you end up doing strange things with, you know, hot glue guns and flames and hammers and torches and stuff. So they've, they've taken a, a beating. Have you ever broken a finger? Never broken a finger. Not yet. <laughs> <laughs> What's your biggest fear as a magician? What are you most protective of? Um... Biggest fear as a magician. Getting that hold of that Tesla duplication machine where you have to die every time you do the trick. Every well, but time. it does duplicate. <laughs> it does duplicate you. Uh, and you don't have to die. Saying. It's just that your partner, your 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 original self, has to shoot you. Just drowns him, right? I think he died in a, I think they were killed in a variety of ways. I think don't they just drop down? Yeah, and they, they drop down, down into the water. Yeah. 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 They're all, they all in the tank. In tank. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, probably losing use of my hands <laughs> would suck. Is that a, all that time I'm thinking about what the hell happens in my head? We were talking about the prestige. I know you are, but then I'm like, what is my fear? I mean, sure, dr- drowning in a tank yeah. is pretty fearsome, but if my Be- hand being gets duplicated, being duplicated by electricity. Spoiler alert, tank, by the way. Oh yeah, we just get, get yeah, we totally ruined that prestige. movie. Hey, you know what? When you see a movie like when you see the Prestige is coming out and the Illusionist, did you get really excited? And so like, excited! Yeah. yeah, that was a hot year for magic. <laughs> but what, you there know, were two movies. Yeah, that, uh, that, the French animated film, The Illusionist. The Illusionist. You see that? That's Which a very sad. As well. It's a very beautiful, sad movie. Yeah. Have you seen that one? It's in the the same company that did uh, tr- Triplets of Belleville. Oh right. Uh, but it's uh yeah it's about this what? That's why he's. That's here. right. Yes. Jacques Tatis. Yeah, it's a. Uh, God, it's so sad. Oh. That fucking bitch. Pull out of it, Jonah. You're going down. Sorry. Come on. This is what I do. Is this ex-girlfriend I almost, I almost went on another fucking 9-11 tear today. Oh, shit. <laughs> it's just like, I, I look at 9-11 footage. Oh, God. Really? Yeah. Just to take yourself there? I don't know Go why. that moment? You, the two weeks ago. Just so you can feel bad? Like, a few weeks ago, I did a, a fucking Jonestown. I just watched, like, I listened to the fucking Jonestown stuff, and I just, uh, I, I don't know what it is. Like, I'll just want it's like, uh, you don't want to forget. Yes, yeah, that's a beautiful yeah. thing. You don't. You will yeah. never forget. You just. You just want to have that experience of of dre- Maybe you feel like you deserve to feel sad. It's like cutting. It's like cutting without the scars. Emotional. Yeah. 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 Oh, there are scars. <laughs> they run yeah. deep. Guys, I can get bummed out in less than a fucking second. <laughs> oh, oh Jonah. No, you know. <laughs> Come on, buddy. That movie with Seth Rogen and Michelle Williams. Go. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Take this. That's waltz. a fucking deep dark one, man. <laughs> Take this waltz. So uh, you you have a but your big show in LA is uh, is it the is it Club Nokia September 29th Club Nokia you guys have played there yeah, yeah. great space good room right really yeah, great room be good. I think it's gonna be good for your show I'm really too. excited yeah because it's like a big room but it still feels intimate yeah We've got the big screen so I can still kind of do close up magic so it's called Tricked Out and it's September 29th 
and uh, I'm gonna I've got to have a full. So band, it's like, like singled out, but with magicians. Band. Oh, cool! What? That's yeah, awesome. that's like, awesome. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> We're gonna get rid of these fifty magicians. <laughs> <laughs> and I will prevail. <laughs> Magic war. Just you, or are you going to have uh, some? Uh, just me. I'll have an opening act, like a variety act. But uh, I'm going to do probably the full my full one man show, 75 minutes. Plate spinner. You're going to shoot this thing? Uh, I'll probably shoot it as well. But I think more just uh, hopefully just the beginning of kind of that bigger show. Yeah, oh, yeah, I hope people, the if they show. haven't like if they've seen if they've seen your show on our show, you know the, the difficult thing with doing one of the challenging things about shooting magic for uh, for television or for a video show is that. Is that there's a part of people that I'm sure they go, well, that could be edited. But like to see you live is really like even just seeing you in the meltdown space, which is a small space, is fucking awesome. Like the tricks are in, in, in really mind blowing. Yeah, thanks, man. I mean, magic's inherently alive. It's a live thing because you got it. You just you kind of have to be there to believe it. So obviously, like for for magic meltdown, anytime I'm on TV, you know, you have to create magic that. Is obviously uh, when you're when you're live, you can really misdirect where people look, and you can kind of create moments. But for TV, obviously, they have the whole frame; they can look wherever they want. So you have to create things that are really TV-proof. So, but but the real special stuff, and what I love doing, is the live show. And I feel like people walk away with it, kind of especially mind melted, mind bended, because it's mm -hmm. uh, you know they were there. It's also you there you no put edits. on a really funny show. You have tons of jokes. That's really you. fun to watch, yeah. Thank you. That means a lot. Yeah. Oh, yeah. they're good. I mean, obviously, as a, you know, a magic nerd, first of all, but always just a comedy nerd and just really wanting to find, you know, some sort of comedic voice. And, and, and so often magicians are, are, you know, thought of as kind of telling those cheesy jokes and kind of the same old lines. So, <laughs> so to somehow create a, 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 you know, a unique voice within the magic world is... Uh, Guys is like you know. and Derek Hughes is also... Derek, Hughes Derek, Derek was masterful I mean, at... Great. It's he's a, very it's, funny. Is Derek's? I know Derek. Derek worked with you on some of the tricks for Magic Meltdown. Yeah, is he, he still performing? Yeah. Well, he he you know he obviously is a is a busy guy in the college circuit and comedy clubs with his with his own brand. He's kind of my favorite magician. I mean, I, I also grew up with him kind of as a mentor. So when when Meltdown was happening, Magic Meltdown, the web series, I called him up, and luckily he was available to kind of be my my main guy, my head writer, just to make sure the show had a had a feel to it and, and taste and just that someone who I knew had great taste and was really smart, you know, was looking out for me. So uh, he's one of my favorites. Great. I think I met him at um, in Aspen like years ago. Yeah. We both were new faces at the Aspen. He was a Largo guy too. He was a Largo guy as well. Yeah. And and really, kind. Of, I think, you know, for a magician to come into, I guess, for lack of a better word, the alternative comedy scene and not have people turn their noses up at it was a big, like, he was genuinely, genuinely funny. Yeah. Uh, he could be, he, he could ditch the magic and be a comic, which yeah. is, I think is the ultimate compliment to him as yeah. an entertainer, you know, but he's able to weave the magic and the com comedy pretty seamlessly and, and uh, yeah. Who's, it, who's that guy? He's, uh, I saw him at, in the close-up room at the Magic Castle. He does a bit where he, like, ends up, like, Putting a sharpie all over his face. Yeah, so that's Rob Zabrecki. Rob Zabrecki, that's right. He's brilliant as well. He, He's fun. Yeah, he he used to be the lead singer of a band called Possum Dixon. Oh, oh shit! Is that him? That's him. I just thought he had the same name. No, that's him. Oh my god! <laughs> so speaking of guys having like a second career, yeah. He so he nineties band late. Possum he Dixon. Came yeah, late. you know he discovered oh, magic as he was touring. He was touring with his band, and uh, you know he he would stumble across a magic shop and just pick up something to maybe throw in the rock show that night. And he just had such he just became obsessed with magic, and now it's what he does. For yeah, you know this, cool, this music really weird act. This music's lost some of his magic, so I'm just gonna start <laughs> doing magic. Make a handkerchief. <laughs> yeah, that's so funny. Like all those like you know 
Like, you know, the guy from the Pixies, mm-hmm. uh, the guy from the Muffs, the guy Not from right. Boston Dixon. Yeah. How, yeah, how yeah. often yeah. can you perform at the Magic Castle? Um, I, I do it like twice a year, but some guys are just kind of regulars because you have to, you know, you have to be there every night for seven days in a row. So um, it can be kind of hard to schedule, but uh, there are guys there maybe five times a year. Wow. Magic Castle favorites. Zabrecki is one of them. He's this year's stage magician of the year. Oh, wow, really? Which is super cool because um, he's so not your typical magician. He's, he's weird. Very weird, very yeah. dark. Kind of looks like, a, you know, he kind of has a very Tim Burton persona. Yeah. You know, like yeah. He's right out of Real skinny, movies. like, real, like, you know, kind of lanky but, Jack uh, Skellington. Yeah, but he just got very specific with a character and, and, you know, uses the magic very simply to tell a story and. You know, uh, you know, take this character forward, and it, it really worked. And I think it's so cool that magicians who who vote for this award, you know, latch onto that and get it, and kind of get mm. this kind of alternative magic thing. I love how how long he milks the the sharpie on the face. Yeah, well, I think I, I don't know the exact bit, but while he's trying to kind of do some mind reading, he kind of just <laughs> starts stroking a sharpie all over his face. <laughs> he's just yeah. covered with sharpie, and then does the rest of his act. Yeah, yeah, sharpie <laughs> it's, on his face. It's, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. And how long as a as a magician do you feel like with comedy? A lot of times, they'll you know the, there's an idea that yeah, it takes you like six to ten years to sort of find what your voice is in comedy. Do you feel that's the same with magic? Yeah, I, I mean at least at least that long probably for magic because I think with magic you kind of when you start learning it you hide behind the trick. And you take longer to probably find your voice because you end up kind of just letting the magic be the show and you kind of are second. Oh, I hadn't thought about that, that the yeah. magic is the star of the show versus you trying to. You know Interesting. I mean? so a lot of magicians will not find a persona or a personality and will end up just doing magic. And, you know, people will walk away talking about the trick and not the guy. So that's I mean, that's my best advice. Whenever a kid asks me about, you know, what what what, what should I do? It's just don't Im- imitate everybody because so many people just imitate what they see and you get all these copycats so magicians should try to be more like comedians really and and you know figure out what they have to say it's different so rather than rather than start with a trick and build the story maybe start with the story and figure out how the tricks start with the story the character and figure out what what would this person do if he could do magic you know and then it will make sense and then you're original you know so that's why zabrecki can do tricks that are you know just kind of old classic tricks put them into this persona and they become something really special yeah yeah oh that's an interesting I, that's really cool i still i think it's too late for me to start with magic and i have short i, I don't have long fingers i have small hands sorry ladies nah. or you're welcome ladies huh <laughs> ah. thing what nothing what yeah. matt what did you say didn't say anything you didn't say nothing? Well, that's a double negative, so that means he said, said something. Fisting. He said fisting. I heard he it. Said he did say fisting. You know, I don't know why you guys have to always take it dirty on the show. <laughs> I try to keep the level of content at a... Re- Vanishing penis. <laughs> <laughs> well, in fairness, now, That's did. just a great trick. <laughs> yeah, I love that. that makes me come. That's just a great trick! And nothing Ooh. else. Well, people, uh, you are at, at Justin underscore Wilman. Yes. Who's on Justin Twitter. Wilman? So he's like some seventeen-year-old, uh, you know, internet marketer. Oh yeah. no, but who's oh. Justin Wilman? Oh, well, he's a seventeen-year-old internet marketer. That's who I really am. That's my core. That's my yeah. persona. Yeah, don't forget the underscore. But, uh, yeah, at Justin underscore Wilman. Club Nokia, September 29th. Awesome. The full shebang. Yeah. Well, thank you. Is there? There's not really anything you could do to. The, the podcast, like no, no, no! Oh my God! Yeah. You see what just happened? Where did he go? The elephant! <laughs> I just oh, 
a non-corporeal voice. <laughs> he just brought Chris back from the dead after I murdered him. I died for a second and then Justin brought me back. Uh, hey. Well, thank you for being here. Thanks for having me. Enjoy your burrito, everyone. And magic is all about illusion. Illusion, Michael. It's not about fisting. Money. Or Actually, I do think fisting is inherently magical because every time I've ever seen it on the internet, I'm yeah. like, how is that fitting in there? What I do is not click on that tab. I just don't. That's the thumbnail I steer clear of. Well, you know what? You guys watch 9-11 videos. I, actually, no, I don't watch fisting videos. Never forget, Chris. <laughs> Never forget. Never forget. Now leaving Nerdist.com. Enjoy your burrito.